the thing that I wish I had known or what I know now is no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, what you look like, what position you hold in the company, you should always be respectful to everybody, no matter who they are, even the janitor. You are now tuned in to the Macy Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. Hey, my go-getters. Welcome to the Missy Muse Unplugged podcast show. I'm your host, Christy Lindor. Super thrilled to be bringing you episode 43. And today we're doing an AMA interview. If this is your first time tuning in, AMAs are when I have a chance to connect with former or seasoned consultants and they give you advice. Today's guest, excited. We had a chance to connect with Bianca Jackson. A little bit about Bianca. She is a seasoned consultant and a LinkedIn expert, and she's going to really give some really cool tips on how you can maximize your LinkedIn profile and really take your game to the next level. So super thrilled to have her, and let's get started. Bianca, thank you so much for joining us on the Missy Muse Unplugged. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. And what part of the world are you currently sitting in right now? Currently, I am in Washington, D.C., Uh, We'll see what the year brings. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on the Missy Muse. I guess before we kick off today's interview, it's going to be super excited interview to talk about LinkedIn. Before we get started, maybe you can just introduce yourself to the go-getters of the Missy Muse Unplugged. Sure, no problem. So I am Bianca J. Jackson, as you can probably find me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of Bianca Jackson out there, so I needed to stand out. But I'm really excited to be here to talk about the importance of LinkedIn, how you can really leverage LinkedIn and position yourself as an expert. I actually could say I've been on LinkedIn for about 10 years now, and that seems like a long time just me saying it. But over the last year, I've grown my following um, significantly. I want think I've gone from 1,200 people to about 22 or 23,000 followers. So I was putting in some work in preparation for this year of wanting to be like a speaker, to be, you know, in the virtual reality space, and also just to be able to help people uh, move their careers along. So I think that's pretty much <laughs> a good synopsis in a nutshell why I feel like I can speak about LinkedIn and really give people some valuable and helpful tips. Yeah, you're definitely the go-to expert, Bianca. And I must say, I think with all the different social media platforms, I personally feel like LinkedIn is one of the harder platforms to build a following just because it's not just, you know, putting out personal things. It's also like being able to have that professional, valuable content that people deem you, you know, an expert to follow. So I give you a lot of kudos for being able to grow your platform so significantly to over 23,000 followers. That's a lot. And that's a pretty amazing. Maybe before we start talking specifically about LinkedIn, maybe you can just share a little bit about your career journey, Bianca. I know you've been a consultant for quite some time and you've transitioned. You're now doing career coaching and a LinkedIn strategist. Maybe you can take a step back and share a little bit about your journey in consulting. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because when I graduated college, I came on board as a full-time consultant for a software company in Philadelphia and I loved it at first. 
was traveling all over the place, you know. But of course, you know, when you travel a lot, there's the ugly side of traveling to, you know, being stuck on a tarmac, you know, your flights being delayed, you know, kind of like the novelty of being a consultant kind of wears off. So then I went to full time. So I was no longer a consultant. And then I did that for about four years. And then I went back to consulting over the summer. And then I had full time jobs ever since until recently until I left my last corporate position as a project manager, my whole career had been in IT. And I just decided that I was going to run my own business. So I guess you could say now I'm more back in the consultant realm, you know, and helping not only individuals, but also businesses. So, you know, being a Black woman, being in tech, you know, the way that I like to describe it from time to time is like, I was a bit of a unicorn. For anyone who doesn't know too much about the tech industry, about 25% are women. Women employees represent about 25% of all tech employees in the U.S., and then when it comes to women of color, we're about one to three percent. So there's been plenty of times where, you know, I was the only person who looked like me in a room. So I spent 12 years in tech and it taught me a lot of valuable lessons about being my own advocate, you know, fighting for the things that I wanted. I wanted personally and also standing up for myself and also helping to stand up for other people that, you know, it was all on me because most people didn't understand my journey and some of the things that I had to face being in the tech industry. So now through career coaching, um, I help some of those same women, so women who are in tech and some women of color who are in tech, but in general, women all together really navigate their careers and finally get what they want. I like to call it that I empower them with the tools and the confidence to get what they want out of their careers in life because I really feel like at the end of the day, most women get the short end of the stick when it comes to careers. So I just want to help them level the playing field a little bit. Yeah, I definitely hear you're preaching to the choir, Bianca. <laughs> I think we're both kindred spirits in that, you know, we both decided to choose a career path where not a lot of folks that look like us, but, you know, I think we've both been able to make it successful. Now that you're on the other side of the fence, Bianca, so now that you're, you were in consulting in that space, you've decided to now step out and really enable and empower other women that are walking that journey. As you reflect back on your journey, was there anything that kind of surprise you that you've learned after the fact that you wish you knew back then? Or has it all kind of continued to be exactly as you had experienced it? Actually, yeah, no, there was something that I learned that was really important. When I first started my career, just to kind of give you a little background, my family, the large majority of my family is from the South. So Southern states. And in Southern states, you know, if you have elders, they'll tell you stuff like, you know, mind your manners and be respectful all the time. Like you're always showing deference to people who are older than you. And one of the things that I found throughout my career is that I've been in some situations where, you know, dealing with people who are a little bit older than me, that they would do or say really disrespectful things. And I still kind of like had that mindset of like, oh, I have to be respectful. I got to show deference, you know, because this is what I was taught. And it was taking away from my ability to stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I wish I had known or what I know now is no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, what you look like, what position you hold in the company, you should always be respectful to everybody no matter who they are, even the janitor. So, you know, I wish that I had known earlier in my career to always stand up for myself and find opportunities to stand up for other people who felt like they couldn't stand up for themselves. So that was probably the most important. And then once I started to like really take on that persona of like, I'm not taking this crap no more, things started to change. They really mm. started to shift where I, you know, stepped into my power of, you know, being 
again, an advocate for myself and just speaking up when I heard and I seen things that were just unacceptable, that people started to look at me as, okay, Bianca's going to be the one that's going to say something if something's not right. So even if I didn't say anything in a meeting, someone would turn around to me and say, oh, Bianca, what do you think? That was completely different from the beginning of my career where most people would just ignore me. So I would say that was probably the most important thing. Yeah. And that's such an aha moment when you hit it. So it is liberating because I think I had the same type of experience as well. I'm so happy you got there and you're helping other women get there as well. So Bianca, you mentioned before that you're doing a lot of different speaking engagements. I would love to hear if in the last like year or two, like if you've had any speaking engagement that's been like the most memorable, you know, it can either be it was funny or it was challenging or it was just so inspiring. Any memorable speaking engagement stories? I love stories. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it was really funny. Actually, it's the one that I, I would probably say the funniest one so far is the one that I did on Monday. So I was speaking for the Urban League here in D.C. And I went there primarily to talk about personal branding and LinkedIn. So I was by myself and I wrote, so I have a daily email list. So I wrote to my list. It's like, Hey, I'm going to try to capture some audio for you guys. So I'm sitting there looking around the room and the way that they had it set up, I only had like 10 minutes to figure this out. And I didn't know that I was going first in the lineup. So I'm thinking, all right, I got a little bit more time to figure out where to put my mini tripod with my phone. Cause that's what you do when you're kind of like a speaker by yourself. You, you really try to make it work somehow. And then it's like, Oh, Bianca, you're up first. I'm like, okay. So I took out my little tripod, set it on the floor and I couldn't take video of myself because there was no way I can like direct the camera up. So I just made it so that I just picked up the audio. So for me, that was pretty funny. When I wrote the email to tell the list about, Hey, I captured something for you. I kind of referred to myself as like MacGyver because I'm from time to time, that person that's just like, all right, what's around? What can I pull together really quickly (laughs) to accomplish whatever goal that I want to accomplish? And that's what I came up with. So I got them some audio, even though it had some background noise to it, but you know, it still was valuable to the people who had a, an opportunity to listen to it. And then also after kind of like my little spiel that I gave at the beginning of the presentation, I had an opportunity to speak to everybody who was in attendance. So they broke up the audience into three groups. So each group rotated between the three presenters. And I kid you not, like I thought my, me talking about personal branding would literally be the same for each group. And it was drastically different. Like the first group wanted to know about, you know, what I expected, how to use LinkedIn for, you know, jobs and searching and and networking. The other two groups, completely different. The second group talked about unconscious bias and conscious bias when it comes to platforms like LinkedIn or whether or not should you load your profile picture, should you have ethnically identifying organizations on it. And it was kind of heavy, but it was a good conversation. So I think, you know, from the memorable aspect, that really stood out to me because I didn't expect to have that type of conversation. And I I thought we literally were just going to talk about very simple personal branding techniques. And then the third group that I had, they actually wanted to know more about like side hustles and whether or not you should list them on your profile. And they mm. asked me like how I made the transition. And I wound up telling them my whole career story of like how I left USA Today. And they found it hilarious because, you know, I added mad, mad ad-libs into the story because, I, you know, from time to time I get really, I don't know, unpredictable when I, I'm describing a story sometimes in a personal setting. And they were laughing at it. I was like, no, but like, seriously, I had my boss's boss stalking my page. And I actually sent him an email and said, hey, how can I help you? And they bust out laughing. They said, you did it? And I said, of course I did that. <laughs> like, why not? Like, if I see you on my page, I'm going to let you know that I saw you on my page. 
So it was a pretty funny story. But all in all, I would say so far over the last year, that was probably the, the funniest and most memorable. And also, um, they were just really engaged. Like, you know, as a speaker, it's hard when you're standing at the podium or you're on stage and you're looking out into the audience and you see a couple of heads nodding, like nodding, like in agreement to what you're saying. You have, you see some people that may be like nodding off because maybe it's been a long day. It's hard to connect from a stage, but when you're sitting in a closer setting and you're actually talking to the participants and you're hearing the things that they care about and they're worried about and they're excited about, is a greater chance for that really great one-on-one connection with them, even though you're still in a group of people. So I would say that was probably the most memorable. That sounded like a very interesting kind of scenario that you were in. And the topic of side hustles, I feel like I would love to actually do an episode just on that and would love to have you back, Bianca, because that's a question I get a lot from people (laughs) around side hustles, particularly, you know, given my position and the show and everything. So if you would, I would love to have you come back another day and we can just talk all about side hustles. Yeah, I think it's a great topic. Everyone should have more than one source of income. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now available on Amazon. Management consultant and author Christy Lindor shares career secrets based on 15 years of experience working at top firms in a new book called The Misi Muse. A hundred plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants. The Misi Muse provides insights, stories and strategies on the unwritten rules of the consulting profession. Christy conducted research and connected with 50-plus industry titans across 27 professional service organizations on what makes a great consultant. For book reviews, tour dates, and more info, go to www.mecmuse.us. We're going to pivot. I want to now like delve into LinkedIn. And maybe the first question I have for you around it is, you know, you mentioned how you really accelerated over the last 12 to 24 months with your LinkedIn, you know, activity, but then, you know, the followership afterward. Maybe you can start by telling us when did you begin to realize the power of LinkedIn and, you know, how did you kind of get started? Well, I always knew that LinkedIn had power, but I only looked at it from a job seeking perspective. So ever since I've been on the platform, I've been able to create I don't know, I guess you could say like a recruiter track in a sense, as far as what I put on my profile, what would be attracted to them so that they would send me opportunities. So that happened for years. Like that was pretty easy to figure out how to draw them in. The hard part came is once I made a decision that I was going to leave my job and become a full-time entrepreneur, now I had to put on a different hat. I had to put on the hat of how can I use this platform to pull in the type of clients that I want and also to establish myself as an expert in the field. Because like, you know, there's tons of career coaches and career transition specialists and whatever they want to call themselves on LinkedIn. And it was more important for me. It's like, how can I be different? So I started to think about everything that you would automatically assume with a career coach. So I know this is going to sound funny to some people, but I literally described this to someone else. When you think about career coaches, you think about suits, you think about pearls, you think about somebody with their hands folded. Like that, (laughs) that is literally the image most career coaches look like, right? You know, female ones and for men is again, the dark blazer jacket with the hands crossed. And then they're posting articles about the 10 things you should put in your resume and what you should do on an interview. And I took a completely different approach. I was like, one, I'm just going to be me and I'm going to be the me that made me successful at USA Today. So what I mean by that is USA Today or the department that I was in specifically was very startup-ish. 
that people came in with jeans, tennis shoes, hats. There were some days where I came in with like my African hair wrap, with my African earrings, and no one said anything to me because at the end of the day, everyone just cared that you got your work done. What you look like was not important. And actually, they would rather you be yourself than some clone of something. So I took the same approach to LinkedIn where I started to say and do the things that I would naturally say and do no matter who was around. And it started to resonate with people. Like really talking about those things deep down inside that people wish that they could say, but now I was in a position that I could say it for them, right? So it's kind of like, you know, the reason why you quit your job. A lot of people quit their jobs, not because they hate their work. They hate their bosses. They hate them. They think they're horrible people or they think that their bosses don't care about them. And I wrote about not necessarily specific examples of, you know, just me and past bosses, but just kind of like that overall feeling that you're left with when you're having conversations or you feel like you're having the same conversation about something really dumb, like status reports, right? It's kind of like, I was telling people that, you know, I was writing experiences, like if you've ever seen the movie Office Space or seen the TV show, The Office, like sometimes being in corporate America, it feels like that, where you're literally having conversations and if you don't do something the way that someone wants you to do it it's like oh did you see that memo oh did you see the email oh well you're in that meeting and it's just like is this groundhog day so like just really talking about those pain points and really getting people to think differently about their careers and really sharing from a emotional personal place and not just saying oh well you should wear a suit to an interview you should wear what you feel comfortable in no matter what that is. Now, I'm not saying go in a scuba suit, but I'm just like, you know, people have this idea that there's this only one way to be successful. Right. And if you really look at, you know, some of the CEOs, especially some of the tech CEOs, for the most part, you won't catch Mark Zuckerberg in a suit. Like the only time you probably catch him in a suit is when he's going to go testify in front of Congress. Other than that, he's walking around in a t-shirt and jeans and vans or whatever tennis shoes he's wearing, but it doesn't take away from the fact that this man is brilliant. So it's just like, I started to speak to those people who are just like, you know what, I'm tired of this robot like there's only one way to make it. You got to go up the ladder each step of the way. And it's just like there has to be a different way to do the work that I love. And I really start talking about people aligning their interests and aligning their hobbies and aligning their skills and really trying to find that place where they look at the work that they've been compensated for versus the things that they do for free, where they volunteer just trying to find that intersection between those things and just really find work that they love. And that's what's really important. And that's what I talked about. So the more and more I talked about that, I was striking a chord in people's hearts. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Like I've been doing this same thing for the last 10 years and I don't even know how I got here. And for me, that's the most disheartening thing to hear is that someone has spent the last 10, 15, 20 years doing a type of work. They look up and say, how did I get here? Why am I still stuck in this place? And it's just like, free yourself. <laughs> and I know that might sound, you know, crazy to some people, but it's like, at some point you got to realize that we spend probably almost a third of our lives working. I personally don't think you, that third of your life should be spent doing something you absolutely hate or something you feel like you have to do because you have to pay bills. Like that is not living to me. And that's what I started to talk about, really hitting 
those points that people feel deep inside of them that they may not have the courage to verbalize out loud. And then as I started to talk about it, people are like, yeah, you're right. I'm quitting my job. I'm like, absolutely. Do it. (laughs) Do it. Because at the end of the day, you'll find something. It'll all come together. No one should ever be miserable by the work that they're doing. Like to me, that's just a really bad existence. I don't want to exist. I want to live. I want to give. I want to cultivate the gifts I was given and be able to share that with the world. And I think if more people are brave enough and courageous enough to say, you know what, I'm not sure how I got here, but it doesn't even matter. I'm ready to do something else and just go out there and step out on faith of, you know, really believing in their talents and their skills. There will be so many more happy people in the world. So I know that might be a little woo-woo for some people, but I really honestly believe that. Yeah, that's pretty much how the following happened. I just started talking about the things that people felt deep down inside. Yeah. And, you know, what you just said, I'm sure resonate. Unfortunately, it resonates with so many people, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people living like that. So, so thank you for sharing that. Talking about kind of LinkedIn, now that you have built this following, you've been really in this space of being a LinkedIn strategist. What are some of the common mistakes you see of LinkedIn users? Oh, this drives me crazy. When people don't have profile photos, it's like, <laughs> and I get it. Some people don't want people knowing what they look like. They don't want their employers knowing that they're on the platform, but it's a social media tool. People want to know what you look like, period. So not having a picture just, you know, comes off as being like you're a robot, like you're spam. And no one, for the most part, will engage with you if you don't have a photo. So I think that's probably the biggest one. And then this is going to sound real funny, but there's a lot of people with that ugly blue background. The one that looks like... I get it. You don't know what to put there, but I'm please put something because when I see it and when other people see it, the first thing I think of, oh, this person's not really on this platform. They don't really use it. So I'm not sure if they're going to answer any message that I send them. And you know what's really crazy, Chrissy, is that sometimes I actually message people about opportunities that I know about that they only fit that skill set. And I hear from them weeks later. And I'm mm. just like, you are silly because I don't know any other platform that you can get job opportunities, business opportunities, 24-7, around the clock. There's like 500 million people on this platform. And this is something you check every two weeks. Like that is just silly to me when people are investing eight, 10, they're literally spending whole days searching for jobs when you could be on this platform do a little updates and have the jobs come to you. Like, that's the crazy part to me. It's just like, do you not know how powerful this platform is? And a lot of people don't. Right. So going back to the whole picture thing. So I've heard two schools of thoughts with that one. So I've heard like, okay, yes, you need a picture. But then I've heard like, well, if you do put a picture up, it has to be a professional picture. And if you put like a personal picture, that's worse than having no picture at all. What's your perspective on that? Well, here's the thing. I'm kind of in between. I don't think you necessarily, a professional picture is good. Like people want to know that when they look at your profile, they can trust you. They want to like you, right? So, you know, having the, the picture where, you know, your face forward, I can see your eyes, I can see your teeth, you look approachable. Hey, I want to talk to this person. Now, I will say that I think some people's version of what a professional is, is kind of funny. Like I actually saw a picture yesterday and I, I see the woman's image in my mind right now. 
you could see her eyes, but she was frowning. And I just said to myself, she looks mean. And I, I personally wouldn't necessarily want to talk to her if I was a recruiter and I was going to reach out to her for a job. I have seen some pictures. There's a, a young lady that I actually love her picture. It's still it's professional, but it has a creative edge to it. So she's a photographer and she's looking straight on or kind of like off to the side. But then on one side of her photo, there's balloons. So she's kind of like playing into this playful aspect of one, her being a creative, also being a photographer, but it works because she's in that space, right? So I'm just like, it just really depends. I have seen some people who have pictures of them and their spouses. I just think that's weird and creepy. Um, (laughs) It is to me because it's just like, huh? Like, eh, I'll leave that for another day. So uh, I've seen people with cartoons and I'm like, this is just odd. I've seen people with pictures of dogs. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, unless you're using the platform to be insidious in some way, then go ahead and and not have a picture. But if you're really serious about career opportunities, business opportunities, you know, put a picture up there where people feel like they would want to talk to you, no matter what that is. So it could be something creative, but I say at least needs to have your face in it. Because at the end of the day, if they want to meet you, they want to have an idea of who they're meeting. I'm not. Personally, I would never agree to meet someone from LinkedIn. Occasionally I do. I do, you know, go to coffee shops and stuff like that or we meet at conferences. I would never agree to meet someone if I didn't know what they look like. Right, right. No, I, I hear you. And what about content sharing and posting? And do you have any kind of rules of the road for go getters that have been kind of passive and they're like, okay, maybe I need to step it up? What advice would you give them? I would say share content. You know, if you're not on the platform every day, at least try to share something maybe like once a week, once every two weeks. I would say like, if you know you're going to be looking for a job in the next month, then get on a month before and just start like making yourself known. Don't get on the day you're like, all right, I'm going to, you know, use LinkedIn to get a job. And then you're doing 20 different actions. And then these 20 different actions are now being sent to your network. And people are like, oh, you must be looking for a job. Whereas if you're constantly on there, people are just like, oh, that's just a platform she uses. So that was one of the questions that I had on Monday. But I would say definitely this is touchy. Kind of like a don't for me. One of the things I'm finding is that people are trying to leverage my profile to get them views likes and comments. And what they do is, is that they are write something, they'll tag me in it so that my network is notified that I'm now tagged in something. And I have never talked to this person a day in my life, right? So I would say, you know, if you're looking for views and engagement, I would say definitely reach out to someone before you start tagging them in a bunch of stuff. Because at a point you're going to People are going to start looking at you like you're crazy, like you're just doing this for attention. But I would say, you know, if you have your own content, even if everyone has their own content, it's literally you just sharing what you think is good, what you think is valuable, what other people, what you believe other people should know about. So I think one rule of thumb for me when it comes to articles, whenever I share someone else's article, I'll read and, you know, kind of copy and paste the part that really resonated with me with like a sentence or two, a commentary or why it was important, and then still have the link to the article. What I find sometimes is that people just copy the article link, put it on their wall and just let it go. Like there's no context to the article. Like all you see is this big ass picture, you know, with the headline. And I guess they're expecting people to go read it. And it's like, well, you didn't really give them any context for why they should So I would say if anyone's going to do, you know, adding articles from Forbes or CNN or whatever you're going to add it from, make sure that you there's some 
excerpt of something valuable that you found in the article that you want other people to know about. But I mean, there are tons of things that I could possibly say, depending on like if you're a job seeker, if you're an entrepreneur, it just really is important to identify whatever bucket you fall in, what your goal is with LinkedIn. Some people are on there haphazardly just doing all types of stuff that don't make any sense. But like knowing that if you're a job seeker, you know, if your goal is to establish yourself in, I don't know, let's say consulting, particular type of consulting, let's say it's technology, that you're only and you're primarily posting information about technology and your expertise. So then you start standing out as an expert. You know, if you're a job seeker and you potentially want to, you know, change industries, you now have to start writing and posting information about the industry that you're targeting, not the industry that you're in. So a lot of people kind of get that confused. It's just like, you know, how do you make this transition from one place to the other? You got to write about where you want to go, not necessarily where you've been. Tons of information <laughs> that I could share. Yeah, I know. I think we're going to have to have you come back. I know we, we talked about the side hustle. I feel like LinkedIn is an ongoing conversation, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so much that's changed with the platform and it seems like it's, you know, the culture of the platform has definitely evolved. So would yeah. love to have you back just talking about LinkedIn again, Bianca. Oh, no, I would definitely love to come back. And you are absolutely right. The culture is changing. I actually have my designer, you know, who's probably about 10 years younger than me. She's like, oh, LinkedIn is for square people. And I just start laughing. I said, it's actually changing. And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, it definitely is. Well, well, this is fabulous, Bianca. If people want to get in contact with you, what are some ways, you know, obviously LinkedIn, but what are some other handles and if people want to connect with you? You know what? It's funny you say that. I'm actually trying to reduce the number of handles that I have because I'm a one woman shop right now. But definitely LinkedIn. I would say the daily email list is a good way of contacting me or at least getting daily information from me. So it's bit.ly slash Bianca with a capital B, daily with a capital D, and then email with a capital E. And then also I actually just opened up my Instagram and it's Bianca J. Jackson. We'll see how long I'll keep it open to the public as long as no, nothing crazy happens. But those are probably the three primary ways that I'm kind of funneling, funneling in people to kind of like engage and talk with me. So I think I'll be kind of shutting down some of the other platforms that I have that I didn't mention. Okay. And go-getters, we'll also make sure we add in the links to Bianca's daily email list as well as her LinkedIn profile. But this was fabulous. I'm so glad we finally got a chance to connect, Bianca. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm so excited and pumped for your book. I'm not sure when you'll be in D.C. or whenever we'll be able to cross paths, but I am excited. So you go, girl. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll have to make it work. We'll have to take a book selfie together for sure. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Bianca. And thank you, my go-getters, for tuning in today. This is Christy Lindor signing out for the Misi News Unplugged Pop-Up Podcast. Here's to your journey to greatness. Tune in every Friday for new episodes syndicated on iTunes, Google Play Music, and many more. Visit www.misimuse.com for more information.